Well, we've had a lot put upon our minds today, at least I have. I assume that if you've been engaging uh, with all that's been said today, that you as well have had a lot on your minds. And so that probably means you're a little bit tired. <laughs> and uh, so I am going to try to be brief and um, to the point. I'm hoping that what we're going to look at here is just going to be sort of a continued bubbling up and maybe just overflowing of some of the things that have already been put upon our minds. I'm going to look at a couple of verses in the Song of Solomon in chapter 8. I want to remind you that this is a song of songs. And it's not just any old song that Solomon wrote. I believe there is a special reason for the beginning of the of the song like that, the song of songs. And and there is something unique about it. The song of songs, which is Solomon's. It's set apart. It's it's distinct in the expression and the way it expresses itself. Um, it it's to be read not only with a view to the holy love between a husband and wife. And I believe that it can be read that way. Because the love between a husband and a wife is, by the design of God, um, a, a an, is to be an expression, or at least a, a, an image, a mirror um, uh, of of the love that God has for us, Christ has for us, and our reciprocal love to Him, the relationship, the submission, the relationship that we have with Him. But, but surely, if if we read it with just a mindset on the relationship between a husband and wife and you use it to stir up your own passionate relationship with your wife or your husband, you're really falling short of the deeper dimension that is found in this song. That holy love that burns within the very being of God for his people and the reciprocation of our love for him. There's that relationship that's been talked about today. And that's what you see in the Song of Solomon. You see that relationship. And it's a relationship that is as it exists now. I mean, as it's worked out now. Because some of the things that are in this song won't apply uh, when we reach glory. Um, uh, there'll not be the expressions, for example, of the Shulamite. Where are you? Where, you know, that sort of, uh, you're hidden. You're, you know, that, that won't exist. But there is, there is the this is an expression of our relationship uh, to God and God's relationship to us. And as I mentioned last week, uh, last month, you know, my non-poetic mind struggles at times to make sense of this song. Uh, at least I probably don't get as much out of it as some of my brethren who have more of that kind of mind and, and way of thinking. It may touch you at a deeper level. It may be one of the books you go to on a regular basis, but I think all of us should go to it at some time in order to stir up within us that which may be lacking, at least to help as God blesses it by His Spirit to stir up within us what may be lacking. There are expressions in this song that touch a deep chord within us especially, and, 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 and really maybe I shouldn't even say especially, but when the Holy Spirit is, is, is opening up our minds and our hearts and our souls, and, and there is this, um, 
it draws out of us a joyful response to the Lord Jesus, whose voice at times, at least as I have read the Song of Solomon, it seems like he's speaking. It's like I'm hearing his voice very distinctly through this song. And I find my own heart echoing much of what I hear the Shulamite as she cries out for and to her husband and longs for his presence. And we'll see an example of that this evening. She's clearly not satisfied when there's a, a sense of separation from him. And so that describes our soul as well, does it not? When I mean, even tonight as we sit here, we, we want our souls to be stirred, especially as we sit before the very elements that represent something very deep and real, uh, fundamental to our relationship to God. And, and so we want, we want our, our souls to be dealt with. And, and we, need, we need help our, our, because we have limitations. Some of those are physical limitations that affect us. But the Spirit of, of God can aid us and help us, and I trust that He will. It's been said that Jehovah's name is not found in this song. I think I mentioned that in the last, last month. And it's true that in most of our translations, you'll not find the name Lord or Jehovah at all in the Song of Solomon. But I think you would agree with me that there is obvious reference to him as the husband uh, of his beloved bride. Uh, and, and that seems to be clear. We know in the face of Jesus Christ, we see Jehovah. And by his spirit, we're able to see and hear and feel what the natural mind cannot, cannot generate. But while the name Jehovah is not found in most of our translations, in chapter 8, in verses 6 and 7, and it is in particular, particularly in particular in verse 6, you'll find the name Lord. You'll find it in the ESV, by the way. It does translate it. Well, but that's one of the few that translate it that way. Because there's a Hebrew word there that has the ending of Yah. And, of course, Yah is the abbreviated name for Yahweh or Yehovah or Jehovah, Lord. The Shulamite says, set me. And you see right there is what drew me to these verses. Because I felt myself saying this. Set me. As a seal upon your heart. As a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire. A most vehement flame. That's the phrase right there that has the yah in it a most vehement flame a flame of yah or a flame of the lord a most vehement flame this is one of the reasons why as i read these verses i have to conclude there is a direct reference to a relationship between the bride and the bridegroom between us his people and him Many waters cannot quench love. 
nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give, if a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. So I want to consider for a few minutes, just a few minutes, these verses as we seek to set our minds upon him whose love has been set upon us and ours upon him. The bride here, the Shulamite, appeals to her bridegroom, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. Set me. There are some modern translations that actually say something like, uh, put a signet ring around your neck. And I find that woefully short of the idea that's being expressed here. Though it's true that a seal is a signet and it can be referred to as a ring. Notice what he says, or she says, she says, set me as a seal upon your heart. As a seal upon your arm. Not a ring as a symbol or a stamp as a reminder. The priests of Israel, you know, wore the names of the tribes of Israel before the Lord. And this was a symbolic expression back in Exodus chapter 28. Exodus 28 verses 9 through 12, a An expression of this, then you shall take onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel. And of course, this is representative of the names of God's people that were taken before the Lord. These, the priests who were, who were acting symbolically, at least at some point, especially the high priest, symbolically of Christ or the Aaronic priest, uh, uh, Aaron as a priest was acting in the as it were, a representation of, 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 of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. Six of their names on one stone and six names on the other stone in order of their birth with the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet. You shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall set them in settings of gold. And you shall put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. So Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. You shall also make settings of gold and you shall make two chains of pure gold like braided cords and fasten the braided chains to the setting. Skip down to verse 29. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart. When he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. Who is ever before the Lord continually right now? Who is a a priest forever? Of course, he's after the order of Melchizedek, but he's also the fulfillment of Aaron as well in this particular sense. He ever lives to make intercession for us. And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. But this was all symbolism. 
when we come to the Song of Solomon, there seems to be a deeper personal expression. This isn't just symbolism. She isn't just asking for a symbolic gesture. She's saying, set me as a seal upon your heart. As a seal upon your arm. Take me, not just something that represents me, but me. Believer, his compassionate heart and his strong arm bears you. And of course, this is an expression of that union we heard about this morning, isn't it? Set me as a seal, me as a seal upon your heart and union with you. Here, the, as someone said, and I say that because I don't want you to think that, well, I want to give credit where credit is due, and I don't know who said it, but I agree with it. Here, the bride wishes to be united and bound to him indissolubly in the affection of love and in the community of life's experience. Here, the bride wishes to be united and bound to Him indissolubly in the affection of love and in the community of life's experience. Set me as, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. Sometimes we may feel The Lord has forgotten us. But be assured by the very word of our Lord and the sure mercies of the new covenant, it cannot be so. And when we make an expression like this, because it may be that we feel that there is some sort of separation, what we're, what we're crying out as the Shulamite here, we're crying out for that which already is. By the grace of God. He has initiated that. He has brought us into unto Himself. God has set us in Christ. So when we say, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, I, I think there is this, there is this sense of, of this desire of wanting to know with certainty that this is so. This is the relationship that I must have with you. And Isaiah, this is why I say that while we may sometimes feel that it isn't that way. You know, we're supposed to pray in the will of God, aren't we? And if you pray according to his will, it'll be so. You're praying according to the will of God here. When you pray this kind of prayer. Isaiah 49, verses 13 through 16. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains, For the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy on his afflicted. But Zion said. I mean, that's representative of us. Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. And my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child? That's the verse we know, right? Can a woman forget her nursing child? And not have compassion on the son of her womb. Ask one of these new mothers. No. No. Or 
Isaiah says, maybe. Surely they may forget. And it has happened. Yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. But the bride doesn't stop there. The bride describes this love that is prompting her to speak. For love, for is or because. For love is as strong as death. Now, a number of things might register in your mind as you read that, but I believe what's going on here is there is a comparison. As as she speaks, for love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. There is a there is a comparison being made with the strength of death or the strength of Sheol, which is another word sometimes translated hell or grave. And we know the strength of death. We know the strength of the grave. It, it rains, doesn't it? But love is a strong love is equal to it. Love is not a stale, lethargic expression of fact. But I think what she is expressing here is the passion and the intensity of this love. The strength of this love. Strong as death. As nothing can prevent the power of death. So this love overcomes all obstacles. This this is the love that God has for us, and this is the love that is worked in our hearts by the Holy Spirit in response. We know how often our love grows cold or weakens, but knowing the strength of His love moves us. I think that's what's going on here with the Shulamite. And with you and me, as we express ourselves to our Lord, even tonight. Love is as strong as death. Jealousy as cruel as the grave. This love comes to light in jealousy, cruel as the grave. Kind of a strange expression. I'm not sure I fully grasp what's being said there. Except that jealousy and love do go together. We know that. The jealousy of a husband in Proverbs 6, 24 and 25, I think it is. It talks about the the fury of the jealousy of a husband. And I think that's the idea here. Jealousy is as cruel, it's as furious, it's as intense as the grave. As a husband's fury against any who would bring harm to his beloved. Or dare come between them. So our Lord loves us with a jealous love. Oh, when the Bible talks about God being jealous, it's not the sinful kind of jealousy, envy kind of jealousy that... We're familiar with probably too much. No, it's it's expressing the depth of love that He has for us. And do we not find a jealousy in our love for Him? Michael mentioned being jealous for the name of God this morning. That's the that's the idea. A love that moves us in relationship to the name, to our God. 
Well, this love that is in view here is a love that's far from cold, but it's like flashes of fire. It is intense. She says it fl- its flames are flames of fire. Of course, that's a common poetic expression for love, isn't it? Even in the secular realm. It's flames or flames of fire, a most vehement flame, a flame of Yah, a flame of the Lord. And when Jehovah's love is felt within, it burns away apathy or indifference that may settle in our souls. This is one of the reasons why we so want God's love to stir within us. We don't want that staleness. We don't want that apathy. Amen? We don't want that. And this is what it seems that she's crying out for and anticipating. And she knows that this is the love that he has for her, that her beloved has for her. And she's wanting this to so work in her that it would be reciprocated, that she she would experience that in relationship to him as well. It's a, it's a love that can't be quenched. Verse seven, many waters cannot quench love. Nothing can put out this flame of love. His for us and therefore ours for Him. Did you, did you hear that? Nothing can put out this love. Waters cannot quench love. Yes, the desire is that we feel it. Yes, the desire is that we know it so intimately that intimately that our love rises in response with a similar kind of flame, we might say. But ours ebbs and flows. His does not. Many waters cannot quench this love. Nor can the floods drown it. And this love cannot be purchased. And would certainly not be sold. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house. But love can't be bought like that. Love can't be purchased and love can't be sold. That's not the way love works. And once you get this love, once you know this love, nothing's going to, nothing, there's no, nothing that can Take it from you. Nothing compares in value. Isn't it true? It would be utterly despised. It would be utterly contemned. No, are you kidding me? I've come to know something like nothing else in this world compares to. It is freely given and freely received. And once possessed, the child of God will say, take the world, but give me Jesus. And only His love satisfies us. And only our love satisfies Him. I think you would agree with me that in those moments where you are, you are sensing, you are sensing the overwhelming flood of His love in your soul, those are the happiest, most joyful moments in life. And this is the relationship of Christ to His beloved saints. And us to Him. The love of God for you, saint of God, it's everlasting. It's infinite. It's fervent. It's unquenchable. Now and forever. And that's what we're entering into tonight. 
We're entering into setting our minds upon this love most clearly and fully expressed so far as Scripture tells us in the very cross of Jesus Christ. The Father sending His Son. The Spirit involved also in sustaining the Son. God's love. We are remembering His unchanging, unquenchable commitment. Think about it. As you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are remembering His unchanging, unquenchable commitment to have you. He has chosen you. He wants you. He wants a relationship with you. And not only does He want to have you as His own, He gives Himself to you. And brings you, brings us into His everlasting communion, fellowship. And so we might quench the Spirit. That's one of the reasons Paul said what he says. Do not do that. Don't quench the Spirit. Yes, that's possible. We may quench the fire, as it were. Not in the sense that we can quench the everlasting, unquenchable love of God for us, but in the sense that we might quench the sense of that love. But nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us from His love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Not many waters or floods. Many waters or floods, they come in many different forms, don't they? The Apostle Paul named a number of them in Romans chapter 8. Tribulation, distress, persecution. Famine, nakedness, peril, sword. And then he goes on in the last couple of verses of Romans 8 to list uh, some more things. Uh, You know, height, depth, life, death. Created things. Nothing in the created realm. Nothing in the created realm can separate us from His love. Our Creator God who is love, has set His seal upon us. His seal. His seal. The Shulamite says, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. God has set His seal upon us. And that seal is the Holy Spirit of love. The Holy Spirit. And that seal is upon us until the day of redemption. And there will never be a separation from Him. Ever. So how do you feel tonight, believer? How do you feel? Your feelings are not the determination of His love for you. But maybe you need to pray like the Shulamite tonight. That you might... That you might enter into the sensibility of that. That you might know in your soul in a fresh way, as Geary has prayed, in a fresh way, that which we know to be so. But that we might actually 
feel the flames of that love burning within us as the Holy Spirit aids us tonight as we join together to remember Him. May our hearts be moved. May your heart be moved. May our hearts be moved together toward Him. Toward Him who has so deeply, so deeply moved Himself toward us in love. May God help us as we remember Him tonight. Let's pray.